What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylar. So in this episode, we're going to preview the entire college football week eight slate. I'll go game by game of the biggest games of the day, starting off with Penn State at Ohio State. That's the biggest game of the day, the game of the weekend. Penn State's a team that I've been a fan of all season. It's a homecoming game for quarterback Drew Aller, who's the only quarterback in college football this season with 150 pass attempts and no interceptions, which is very impressive. He grew up in Ohio as an Ohio State fan, ends up going to Penn State, though. So this will be a big game for him, obviously, being able to go home on the season. 12 touchdowns, no picks, three rushing touchdowns. Penn State, their offense is averaging 44 points per game. They play small ball on offense. They methodically move the ball down the field, chip away, play by play. They're not very explosive, but they've found a way to score points all season. Their defense is very good, one of the best in the country, allowing just eight points per game and allowing just 193 yards per game. Their best defensive player is probably Adisa Isaac on the season. Five sacks, which leads the team. And they also have Chubb Harrison, another great defensive lineman as well. So that defensive line is very good. I'm excited to see what they look like versus Ohio State today. Ohio State's 6-0 on the year, just like Penn State. They're averaging 36 points per game in offense, allowing just 9.7 points per game on defense, which is crazy. And they're also allowing 263 yards per game. So you have two defenses allowing under 10 points per game. So this should be a great matchup. Should be a very good matchup, a fun one to watch. As for Ohio State and their offense, they're led by Kyle McCoy, their quarterback, 11 touchdowns on the season to one interception. They have one of the best wide receivers in the country, probably the best overall, Marvin Harrison Jr., 31 catches for 604 yards and five touchdowns on the season. He has 27 contested catches on the year, which is tied for first in the Big Ten. Kaywin King, a great defensive back for Penn State. We'll be covering him probably for the majority of the game. He's a top 15 pick, in my opinion, in this upcoming NFL draft. Unreal matchup, seeing those two guys go at it. Penn State and Ohio State have the first and third best pass defenses in college football in yards per game. So whichever quarterback makes more plays, I think will win this game. Both defenses are very good against the pass game. I think Penn State's the better team, so I'm going to roll with them. I liked them before the season began. I'm not going to change my opinion of them now. I think they beat Ohio State today in a very close, low-scoring game, 21-17. Next up, we have Boston College at Georgia Tech. Both teams are 3-3 three and three on the year. BC is coming off a bye week, so hopefully they got some time to prepare and get ready for this game today to try to go 4-3 and three on the season. BC evening up their record at 3-3 three and three after a rough start to the season is obviously huge considering they lost the first game of the year to Northern Illinois, then nearly lost game two of the year to Holy Cross, and then had a close loss to Florida State. To be 1-2 and two and now be 3-3, three and three, I'll take that at the end of the day considering how poor BC looked for the first couple games of the season. Both teams are very similar statistically between BC and Georgia Tech. BC's offense scoring 27 points per game. Georgia Tech at 31 points per game. BC's defense allowing 32 points per game with 373 yards. And then Georgia Tech allowing 29 points per game on defense and 432 yards per game as well. Georgia Tech's defense is pretty good. They're secondary. They have eight interceptions on the year, so BC does have to be careful today throwing the ball. Redshirt senior defensive back Jalen King has been very good for them. Three interceptions on the season. So Thomas Castellanos, BC's quarterback, has to be careful today throwing the ball in his direction. He's been great running the ball this season on the ground. BC's offense is averaging 194 rushing yards per game. A big reason is because Castellanos has been great using his legs out of the pocket. Georgia Tech's allowing 218 rushing yards per game on defense. So BC has to take advantage of them today in the run game. Georgia Tech is the fifth worst run defense in college football. Fifth worst. And then if you look at the contrary, BC's offense is one of the best in the nation running the ball. So BC has to take advantage of Georgia Tech on the ground today. They have no option but to. BC's defense has stepped up this season. I remember, I think it was the UVA game, I called an Elijah Jones interception. I'm going to call another Elijah Jones interception today. I think he's been quietly having an all-ACC season, whether it's second or third team. I think he's up there to be ranked at the end of the season as a second or third team 
All-ACC selection. He's been great for BC in the secondary. If you look at Georgia Tech's offense, it's led by Texas A&M transfer quarterback Haynes King. 16 touchdowns and 6 picks on the season. He can move outside the pocket as 3 rushing touchdowns on the season. BC has to find a way to make him make a mistake today on defense. I think it's going to be a very good, high-scoring game. Right down to the wire, I'm going to go with BC winning this one, 34-30. Next up, we have Akron at Bowling Green, a MAC matchup here. Akron is 1-6 on the season. They've lost five games in a row. Bowling Green is 3-4 and four coming off a win last week at Buffalo, 24-14. Bowling Green is averaging 20 points per game on offense. Akron at just 16 points per game. Both teams very similar defensively, giving up 27 points per game and around 340 yards. Akron's issue all season long has been turnovers on offense. They have a minus six turnover differential as a team. Bowling Green does love to run the ball, though. 138 rushing yards per game. They're led by Terrion Stewart, who's a running back for them. 539 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns in the year. Their quarterback is Connor Basilak, who missed last week's game with an injury. He's a game-time decision for today. Hopefully, he'll be playing for them. Akron used a couple quarterbacks in their game last week in their seven-point loss to Central Michigan. Jeff Undercuffler was one of them. 9-15 passing, 74 yards and a touchdown. And then the other one was Taj Bullock. 7 for 18 passing, 49 yards, and 2 interceptions. I'd imagine Undercuffler will be the guy today for them starting. I think it'll be a low-scoring game today. I think Bowling Green takes the win, though, 23-17. Next up, we have another MAC matchup, and that's Toledo at Miami of Ohio. Both teams are 6-1 on the season. This is the best game in the conference this weekend, and maybe one of the best overall that this conference will see this season. Both teams have won six games in a row after losing the first game of the season. Toledo averaging 37 points per game on offense. Miami at 32 points per game on offense. Both teams are allowing around 330 yards per game and 20 points per game on defense, so very similar defensively and offensively as well. Miami, Ohio's quarterback is Brett Gabbett, 14 touchdowns and four interceptions on the season. He's been sacked 13 times, so pressure can't get to him. Toledo's quarterback is Daquan Finn, a guy I've talked about a good amount on the podcast before. 12 touchdowns and five interceptions on the season with four rushing touchdowns and also an average of 63 rushing yards per game. So as you can tell by that stat right there, he loves to run and move his legs and get outside the pocket and scramble. That's something we're probably going to see a good amount in today's game. Toledo's offensive line is very good. He was just sacked two times so far this season, so he does have time to throw. I like Toledo to win this game in a close one, 27-23. The next game is Utah State at San Jose State. San Jose State's coming off a 52-24 win last week over New Mexico. They're now 2-5 on the season. They did start the season with a tough schedule to begin the year, having to play teams like USC to start the season, Air Force, Oregon State. That's a tough schedule to begin the year. I think they're better than their record shows. Chevin Cordero in their win last week was 8-17 of 17 passing for 272 yards and two touchdowns. One of the most underrated players in all college football, in my opinion, a name to get to know. And then they also have a very good running back in Kyrie Robinson, who was unstoppable on the ground in last week's game against New Mexico. 126 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. San Jose State's defense needs to get better, though. They're giving up 32 points per game and 396 yards per game overall. They're very good against the pass game. 204 passing yards allowed per game, which is 30 done in college football. But they're allowing 230 rushing yards per game. And 230 rushing yards per game allowed on defense is second worst in all college football in the FBS. So they need to get better against the run. That's a big reason they've been struggling this season on defense. Utah State is 3-4 and four to begin the season. They're coming off a 32-27 loss last week to Fresno State. On the season, they're averaging 37 points per game and 478 yards per game on offense. Their issue for them is defense. It's not really scoring points. They're allowing 33 points per game and 414 yards per game defensively. So that's something they have to get better in. 
They're allowing 239 passing yards per game. So that's something that I think that Chevin Cordero will be able to take advantage of today. For Utah State, the quarterback is Cooper Lega, who played last week for them versus Fresno State. He was 23 of 39 passing for 363 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Also had 12 carries for 43 yards in that game as well. So he can move the ball, obviously, with his legs. On the season, 13 passing touchdowns to six interceptions for him. I like San Jose State to win this game. 34-28. Next up, we have Arizona State at number 5, Washington. Washington has won all six games this season. They're 6-0. So six wins in a row for them. And then Arizona State's a complete reverse. Five losses in a row for them. They won their first game of the season and have lost five games since. I believe Washington wins this game, but I think it's going to be a closer game than people are expecting. Considering they had that big win last week against Oregon, I think they're going to be still flying high from that game and maybe take Arizona State a little bit lightly. Michael Penix was sensational in that game last week versus Oregon. I think he proved that he is the best quarterback in the country. I was saying it before the season began. I think after that game, though, I think it's more apparent to most people how good Michael Penix is. Biggest point in the game was with two minutes to go. Oregon is up 33-29, so Washington's trailing. Getting the ball back, down four with two minutes to go. And he orchestrated a game-winning touchdown drive on just two plays, going 53 yards in 33 seconds, with a 35-yard pass to begin the drive, and then an 18-yard touchdown pass to Romo Dunes, winning the game for them. Big touchdown there to win the game. And Oregon ended up having a chance to tie the game with a field goal, but they ended up falling short of that. So Penix in Washington picked up a big win last week. Penix was 22 of 37 passing, with 302 passing yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. He is averaging 384 passing yards per game with 20 passing touchdowns and three interceptions. And he's only been sacked four times this season. As for Arizona State, their offense is putting up just 18 points per game and their defense is allowing 28 points per game. So obviously, when you have that combination, you're not going to have a good record. They have a minus 12 turnover differential to make matters worse. But they have been fighting despite their bad record. They've been in it, though. The last three games they've been in, they've been an underdog in all three games and have been in all three of them. A 42-28 to loss to USC a 24-21 loss to California, and then a 27-24 loss to Colorado that they nearly won and had a chance to win at the end of that game. So they've been fighting. The last three games, they've been underdogs in all three of them, but they've found a way to stick around in all three games and have a chance to win two of those games late against California, Berkeley, and then Colorado. Their quarterback is Trenton Borgay, who in last week's game versus Colorado had 335 passing yards and two total touchdowns. On the year, totally has one passing touchdown and two interceptions in three games played. Arizona State has used four quarterbacks this season, so I'm not really too sure what their strategy is using those four different quarterbacks. I haven't really watched too many of their games. Did tune into a couple of them and saw highlights of the last few of them. I think this game is going to be closer than people are expecting. Washington is the better team, obviously. But I think Arizona State, they've been fighting hard as of late. I think they're going to stay closer than people are giving them credit for in this game. I think Washington may take them a little bit lightly considering how Great of a comeback win they had last week. A miraculous finish for them, obviously, coming back and winning that game at the end. I think Washington takes care of business here, but I think it'll be closer than people are thinking this game will be. I think Washington wins 34-20. Next up, we have number 17, Tennessee, at number 11, Alabama. Alabama's coming off a close game last week, a 24-21 win over Arkansas. Their quarterback, Jalen Milroe in the season has 11 touchdowns passing with four deceptions and also five rushing touchdowns. Bama's offensive line has been awful, though. They've allowed 31 sacks in the year, one of the worst offensive lines in college football, one of the worst Alabama probably has ever had in their program history. They can't protect Jalen Moreau and give him time to throw. On the year, though, Moreau has found a way to throw the ball deep, 10.6 yards per attempt, which is fourth best in all of college football in the FBS. Alabama's offense is averaging 30.5 points per game and 367 yards on offense. But the issue for them, though, is that offensive line. It is what's holding them back, I think. 
If you look at Tennessee, I think they're an underrated team. They're coming off a 20-13 win last week over Texas A&M. Joe Milton is their quarterback. He has 10 touchdowns on the season with four interceptions and four rushing touchdowns, so 14 total touchdowns for Milton on the year. An electric quarterback. I'm waiting for him to have a huge breakout game with his arm. I think today could be the day. Tennessee's defense has been locked down all season. 17 points per game allowed and 303 yards per game allowed. So their defense is very good. A very good defensive lineman in James Pierce, who has six sacks on the year and seven quarterback hits. A disruptor on the defensive line. I think Tennessee can win this game on the road at Alabama, considering how good their pass rush is, how poor Alabama's offensive line is. And then I'm also expecting Joe Milton to have a breakout game at some point using his arm. I think Tennessee wins this game today in an upset. 24-20 Tennessee with the win. Next up, we have Duke at number four, Florida State. Duke will not have quarterback Riley Leonard, it looks like, for this game. This morning, it was announced not too long ago that he'll be a game-time decision, but I think it's unlikely that he'll play today, so it's likely going to be Henry Beelin being the starting quarterback for the second week in a row. Last week versus NC State, they picked up a 24-3 win, a game I didn't expect them to win, especially with Riley Lennon not playing, but they found a way to win the game. Beelin was 4 of 12 passing for 107 yards and two touchdowns with an interception, also had a long run of 26 yards. They need him to do more today, passing the ball, if they want to beat Florida State. You're not going to beat Florida State defensively, and then obviously in the run game, you need to be able to throw to beat them. BC stayed in the game with Florida State early this season because they were efficient passing the ball and taking advantage of Florida State's secondary. So maybe Duke can do that, but I think that'll be hard without Riley Leonard in their lineup. Duke's defense has been great. That's kept them in a lot of games. They're allowing just under 10 points per game and also under 300 yards per game on defense. So that's very impressive. The defense has given them a chance to win every game this season. As for Florida State, though, they're 6-0 to begin the year, averaging 42 points per game on offense, allowing just 18 points per game on defense. Jordan Travis passing 247 passing yards per game, 13 passing touchdowns to one interception. Also has added in four touchdowns on the ground. I think Travis is one of the best quarterbacks in the country this season. I liked him to be a top quarterback this year in college football. I forget where I had him for the Heisman, but I did have him winning the Davey O'Brien Award for the best quarterback in college football. I was going to go Penix for both of them, but I figured they'll probably split it up and have Penix win the Heisman. That was my prediction. And then have Travis as my Davey O'Brien Award winner. Travis's top target on the year has been Keon Coleman, who I think is a top two to three receiver in the country right now. 29 catches for 418 yards and seven touchdowns. I think he's right there with Marvin Harrison Jr. as the best wide receiver in the country. I know a lot of people probably have Marvin Harrison Jr. as number one. I don't know where many people would have Keon Coleman, probably top five. I think he's right there, right on the doorstep of being the best wide receiver in college football. I'd say he's probably number two right now, but he's getting up there. I think he's right there with Harrison. Without Riley Leonard, though, I think this game will be tough for Duke. So I think Florida State will win this one 27-17. The next game is number 13, Ole Miss at Auburn. Ole Miss is 5-1 on the year. Auburn is 3-3. Three three. The Ole Miss offense has scored 41 points per game. Auburn at just 28 points per game. Both defenses are pretty close in yards per game allowed and points per game allowed. Around 23 points per game with 370 yards per game allowed defensively for both teams. Ole Miss's quarterback is Jackson Dot. 273 passing yards per game, 12 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, with 4 rushing touchdowns. He's also averaging 50 rushing yards per game as well. One of the most underrated quarterbacks in all of college football. Can use his legs, get outside the pocket and scramble. Also has a very good arm. Auburn's quarterback is Peyton Thorne, 124 passing yards per game, 4 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Has not been great. I think Dot is the much better quarterback. I think Ole Miss wins this game 31-20. The next game is number 2 Michigan at Michigan State. Obviously, a rivalry game here. Michigan 7-0 on the year. Michigan State's 2-4, losing their last four games after starting 2-0. Michigan's offense is putting up 39 points per game. As for Michigan State, they're averaging just 22 points per game on offense. Michigan's defense has been locked down on the year. 
under seven points per game allowed defensively with a plus seven turnover differential. If you look at Michigan State, they've been bad with turnovers and their defense isn't great either. They have a minus eight turnover differential on the year. Minus eight. Michigan State's quarterback is Noah Kim, who has six touchdowns, six interceptions, and has thrown 218 passing yards per game on the season. Michigan's quarterback is J.J. McCarthy, 216 passing yards per game on average, with 14 passing touchdowns, three interceptions. He's only been sacked seven times to begin the year and also has three rushing touchdowns. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in college football this season. Has surprised me a lot. I wasn't very high on him coming into the season, but he's brought them to where they are right now. He's been very good, so credit to him for that. That's what I think is going to happen in this game. I think Michigan State will keep it close at first, but I think Michigan pulls away. I think they're going to be too much for them to handle. I think Michigan takes a win here at 34-17. Next up, we have number 14, Utah, and number 18, USC. It looks like Bryson Bonds will be starting for Utah quarterback in this one without Cam Rising yet again. Rising looks like he could be a potential redshirt candidate considering he hasn't played at all to this point. It may not be the best decision for him in his future to come back and lose a year of eligibility, especially since he hasn't played yet this season. Bynes at quarterback for them is one passing touchdown and two interceptions. They're averaging just 22 points per game on offense and 322 yards per game on offense. So obviously they do miss Cam Rising at quarterback. He's a guy that's very dangerous, who beat USC twice last season. I'm sure USC is happy to not see Cam Rising starting for them tonight. Obviously, Cam Rising, one of the better quarterbacks in college football last season. It's a big loss for Utah's offense. Their defense has been great, though. They've kept them in a lot of games. That's why they're 5-1. Their defense is allowing just 12 points per game, so it's a big reason they are 5-1 to begin the year. As for USC, they're coming off a brutal loss last week to Notre Dame, a game that I had USC losing, but I never thought it would be like that. I never thought it would be a game where USC just was blown out by Notre Dame. In that episode I recorded, I talked about Caleb Williams, and I mentioned how a lot of people were talking about him as the number one overall pick in the draft, which he probably will end up being. But people are saying he's the only elite quarterback in this draft, and then there's a drop-off from Williams and on down. But I don't really see that. I think Michael Penix is the better quarterback. I said that before the season began. I thought Michael Penix was the best quarterback in college football. I still believe that. And I also think Drake May is better than Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is a very good player, but I think he's been overrated over the last year. And I think the hype around him is exponential, which I think he's good. But I've always thought since last season that Michael Penix was better. And this season, it's proving to me game by game, play by play, that Michael Penix is the better quarterback, in my opinion. He is, in my eyes, which I know people are going to disagree with me on that. I know Caleb Williams' film is very good. He makes miraculous throws every single week. But I think Penix is the better quarterback. Caleb Williams is coming off the worst game of his career, so it's easy to kick him when he's down. 203 passing yards last week with one passing touchdown and three interceptions. He had a bad line after the game, though. I know you can have a bad game. It's going to happen to every quarterback. But I don't like what he said after the game. There was a Notre Dame fan that heckled him after the game as he was walking off. And he had a quote this past week about that fan. And he said something like, a lion doesn't concern themselves with sheep. Which I feel like that never really works out for the person that says that. It never works in people's favor when they use that line to talk about someone else. Take Giants tackle Evan Neal, for instance. He said it a couple weeks ago. And fans completely turned on him even more after he had that line. Talking about the fans saying a line doesn't concern themselves with the opinion of a sheep. And then went on to call the fans hamburger flippers and hot dog flippers. Which you can't say that about the fans. You can't at the end of the day. And I understand the Notre Dame fan was heckling Caleb Williams. But I feel like he would have been better off being the bigger person. Just not even talking about that. Just saying no comment. Rather than taking a shot at the fan. And then this past week there was a report that he wants pot ownership of whatever team drafts him in the NFL. Which is a wild thought. And it's also not allowed in the NFL. I think he honestly may be a diva. When you take that comment that he just had a couple days ago about the fan, and then also the fact that he wants to have pot ownership of a team, which no player in the NFL has ownership of any team because it is against the rules in the NFL. 
but he's creating a lot of distractions around him, which is diva-like in my opinion. He's a good quarterback, but I feel like he's creating headaches for himself, getting himself in headlines over the last week. Obviously, he had a bad game, and then wants pot ownership of a team, which I understand that to some degree. I mean, a lot of players, I'm sure, would be interested in that if it were to be allowed, but it isn't. And then also the line about the fan. He's getting himself some headaches being in the media. I think USC wins this game, but I think it's going to be closer than most people are thinking. I wouldn't be surprised if Utah's an upset win in this one. But in that case, it would have to be a low-scoring game. And they also need their defense to step up and quiet USC's offense, which has a ton of firepower. And I'm sure USC is looking for a big bounce-back game, considering how poor they looked last week on offense and defense. I think USC wins this one 27-17. If Cam Rising were to be playing, though, I'd take Utah to win this one by 10 points. I'd believe in them more if Cam Rising was playing. But without them, I'm going to roll with USC winning this one. Next up, we have Clemson at Miami. Clemson is 4-2 on the season. Miami is as well. Both 4-2 records. Clemson's won two games in a row. Miami's lost two in a row. Both defenses are very good, allowing around 19 points per game. Cade Klubnik has been solid at quarterback for Clemson. 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, and three rushing touchdowns. As for Miami, their quarterback is Tyler Van Dyke. 16 touchdowns, six interceptions, with 287 passing yards per game on average. I think this game comes down to the wire. I think Miami will win this game. But I think it's going to be by a field goal. I'll go with the Hurricanes winning this one, 24-21. Clemson barely beat Wake Forest last week, 17-12. And I think Miami is bound to bounce back after two losses in a row. Next up, we have number 25, UCLA at Stanford. Stanford is coming off a miraculous win last week over Colorado. A game that they trailed 29 to nothing at halftime. And they came out of the locker room and put up 46 points in the second half and in overtime against the Buffalo's defense. They outscored Colorado 46-14 between the second half and overtime. They were very similar yards-wise. 523 yards for Stanford, 532 for Colorado. I think this game last week says more about Colorado and where they're at than it does with Stanford. Obviously, very impressive win for Stanford coming back. That could obviously ignite a locker room and get everyone going for the rest of the season. But I think if you look at Colorado, they're still more ways away from being a powerhouse that everybody thought they'd be after the first two games of the season. They still got a ways to go. Losing a game like that up 29-0, it's unacceptable in my opinion. But Stanford's quarterback balled out in that game. So credit to him. Ashton Daniels looked great. 27-45 passing. 396 yards. Four touchdowns. Also added in 39 yards on the ground. And then Alec Iomana, a wide receiver for Stanford, had a historic game. Including a game-tying touchdown in overtime over Travis Hunter. He mossed him. Took the ball right off his helmet. Huge touchdown. And he ended up finishing the night. 18 catches. 295 yards and three touchdowns. So very impressive numbers there for him. UCLA on the season is 4-2, averaging 29 points per game in offense and giving up 16 on defense. UCLA's defense has been solid, 16 points per game allowed. Their quarterback is good as well, 10 touchdowns from Dante Moore passing on the year with 7 interceptions. That's one issue for him, though, has been turnovers. I think Stanford can hang around in this one, though, and make things close, but I think UCLA takes the win here, 32-23. And then for the last game I'm going to preview, it is Wisconsin at Illinois. Wisconsin's 4-2 on the season, Illinois 3-4. Wisconsin's putting up 27 points per game, Illinois at 20 points per game. The difference in this game is the difference between the Wisconsin defense and Illinois' defense. The Badgers' defense is great, giving up 18 points per game. Illinois' defense, though, 28 points per game allowed, and they also have a minus 5 turnover differential on the season, while Wisconsin has an even turnover differential, the neutral, at zero. Wisconsin loves running the ball, 185 rushing yards per game, led by Braylon Allen, who has 93 rushing yards per game on average and seven rushing touchdowns. If you look at the quarterback for Wisconsin, I think he's better than the stats show. He has four rushing touchdowns on the air. He does like to move and use his legs, but he only has three passing touchdowns and three interceptions. He needs to get going in the passing game more. Something he really excelled in last year at SMU was passing the ball. I want to see him throw the ball more and be a dual threat quarterback. 
I think Wisconsin wins this game 24-17. I think it'll be a close game right down to the wire, but I like the Badgers to win this one. Anyways, right before I close this episode, I want to preview a game in college hockey tonight, and that is Denver at BC, the number two team in the country at the number three team in the country. BC has had a great start to the season at 3-0. They have a ton of NHL talent, including three top 25 picks from the 2023 NHL draft. Denver's a historic program that won the national championship back in 2022. During that season, which was the 2021-2022 regular season, BC beat Denver at Conti Forum. And then Denver ended up winning the national championship that season. Denver this season is 2-1, averaging five goals per game, which is third best in college hockey. Jack Devine, a forward for them, has five goals, three assists, and eight points. Matt Davis is their goalie. He was on the team with them when they won the national championship. I believe he's a backup back then. An 879 save percentage with 2.76 goals against him per game. They have a very underrated defenseman in Sean Behrens, a guy that's been there for years now. He's a veteran for them, obviously, in that locker room. Four assists on the year. He's got to keep your eye on defensively, considering how good BC is on offense and how many goals they can put up, considering how much talent they have. Denver needs their defenseman to step up tonight, and especially need Matt Davis to step up. So Sean Barron's is a guy to keep your eye on, just like Matt Davis. As a BC, the 3-0 to begin the season, they started off the year with a great win over Quinnipiac 2-1. Quinnipiac, the reigning national champions, BC found a way to beat in overtime, which was great to see. They ended up winning that game of a game-winning goal by Cutter Godier. That next game, though, for Quinnipiac, they ended up facing Northeastern in an exhibition game, and Northeastern beat them as well in a shootout. It was an exhibition game, but Quinnipiac has had a shaky start to the beginning of the season. BC on the year has been led by Cutter Godier. Three goals on the year in three games, including one last night in BC's 6-1 win over RPI. He's a guy to keep your eye on. Another guy to look at is Will Smith, a top NHL draft pick in this past year's draft. One goal, two assists, and three points so far in the beginning of his college career. And then the Bruins also have a draft pick on the BC Eagles, Andre Gasso, who has two goals, two assists, and four points on the year. This will be the best matchup of the weekend of college hockey. I think it's going to be a very close one. I think Denver wins this game 3-2. to two. Very close battle. I think BC will be right there with them, though. It's tough for a team to fly across the country from Denver and have to play BC, a very good team as well. BC's, as I said, the number two team, number three team in the country. This is a great matchup, number two and number three. But I think considering Denver lost the last time they came to BC, they lost to Conti Forum in 2021, I think they'd be hungry for a win in this one. So I think they'll win this one 3-2. to two. But I wouldn't be surprised if BC were to win. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I'm excited to see what happens in this one. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.